birds that sing in the tallest trees to the human life of you and me from the desert sands to the place we stand he is god of all he is everything Whoa. good morning our reading this morning will be from Deuteronomy 6, again, uh, verses 1 through 9, and also Exodus 20. We'll start in Deuteronomy. If you are already standing, that's a good sign. And so, Deuteronomy 6. Now, this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules, that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over, to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son, and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, as we look at news reports, they drive home the fact that we live in violent times. The evil that's done is beyond our comprehension to see how these acts fit into your plan. We ask for your guidance and wisdom, opening our hearts and minds to aid our understanding. We ask that you bless Pastor Mike this morning and give us all a double portion of the Holy Spirit to see your desires and wisdom in his sermon on this timely commandment. Bless those who are hurting, healing, and help those who are grieving. Give them your comforts. This we ask in your loving Lord Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, John. You can be seated. Uh, thank you for... Uh Worshiping with us this morning. If you're new, would you have the courage to fill out the connection card that Tim has called you to? We'd love to connect with you as a church and um, and see how we can serve you and come alongside of you. And so uh, please do that and make that your offering today. We, we thank you for being here. So thousands of years ago, God put into place 10 values that can make a difference in everyone's life. We're in week six of a series that we're calling Faith, Family, and Freedom. Getting back to basics, just back to the basics. Everybody knows that we should be living by some basic family values, but in our culture today, uh, it, it's not very popular to then expound on that like like <clears throat> because everything's so relevant in our culture and so who gets the authority on, on on those values who gets to speak about what what those values are well thousands and two thousand years ago or thousands and thousands of years ago God placed the Ten Commandments in our in the in, in to his church to help guide us and lead us and we're going to use those as uh, our aim is to use those to get back to some basic 
basic family values using the Ten Commandments. Uh, this series applies to every single one of us, whether you are a child, whether you're single, whether you're married, widowed, divorced, uh, the traditional family, or the blended family. Whatever your case may be, this series is for you. In our opening scriptures today in Deuteronomy, it's kind of been a theme verse. You've heard them every week that we've started out with this because I, I believe we just want to really get it pressed deep into your heart what God says about the commandments, that he wants you, them, he wants them to be on your heart. He wants you to write them on your doorpost in, so that you can see them coming and going. He wants, you to, he wants you to write them on your gate so that when you walk home, you're aware of God's, God's basic family values in life. He wants you to teach them to your children. Wouldn't it be great if, if all of our kids that we are sending today lived by, uh, by God's commands, right? If you have kids in Sunday school this morning, we are teaching them what the, how important it is to live by God's commands. The first four commandments focuses on our relationship with God, and then the following six focuses on our relationship with each other. If you've missed any of the sermons, they're online. They're on uh, EncounterCCB.org, and uh, we're also uh, starting a blog this week, and so that's going to be kind of cool so that you could subscribe to our blog and take it with you on the road or whatever your, uh, whatever your convenience or wherever you listen to blogs. Last week, we talked about the fifth commandment and why it's important to honor the, the, the parents, why it's important to honor the position of parents, and this week, we're going to talk about the sixth commandment, which is this. You shall not murder. Now, I know some of you are probably thinking, well, we could skip this one because I haven't killed anyone yet. And, and the only time I think about it is when I'm on the 405 freeway or LA traffic, right? Uh, but uh, no, the truth is that there's so much more application to this. Especially, uh, we should especially devote this more time to uh, talking about this commandment because of the day and age that we live in. And... and uh, we planned this uh, series a long time ago, but it, when you talk about you shall not murder, uh, because we live in this culture of death, uh, it just seems so timely. Nobody has to convince you that we should probably be talking about this after watching the news over the last month. Would you agree? The, the shootings in, I mean, from, from terrorist bombings to shooting rampages in schools to churches, theaters, and nightclubs. And now we just are coming off of the, the devastating news of Gilroy, California, Paso, Texas, and Dayton, Ohio, and all those shootings. And the hatred that is attached to uh, all of them. Every time you turn on the news, there is death from suicide to murders. We have law enforcement officers who are being targeted, ambushed, and killed. Three weeks ago, we lost an LAPD officer who was murdered for confronting a man who was tagging, who was spray painting on a wall. Man, vandalism to murder. How did that progress? And, and, and is the... <laughs> I just don't understand it. How do we progress from vandalism to murder? Taggers are holding guns. We are no longer, and the, the crazy thing is this, is that over 17,000 murders are, no, are, are we're, I'm sorry, with, with over 17,000 murders every single year, killings are so frequent and, and happen so routinely that we're not even shocked by them anymore when we turn on the news. Listen to this statistic. It says, by the time the average child finishes elementary school, they will have watched 8,000 televised murders and 100,000 acts of screen, on-screen violence. 
And not to mention, there's more violent video games today that desensitizes our kids and calls killing a game. Makes killing a sport. America has the highest homicide rate in the world. And so this makes the sixth commandment very important to teach. Because it is violated every single day. Would you agree with that? I know some of you may be wondering why the sixth, what the sixth commandment has to do with families. And here's the answer. Because most murders happen with somebody you know. And somebody close to you. Most violent crimes, including murder, have often taken place between family members. And sadly, we read in the Bible, the first murder to take place that was recorded in Scripture was a brother killing a brother. Most importantly, the sixth commandment reminds us that, that life should be valued. God is the author of life. Satan is the one who sows in death. But God, the God we serve, is the author of life because life is sacred and it is a gift from God. The Bible says this, if you're following along in your bulletin, you'll have these scriptures in there. We'll also have them up on the screen. I would love to uh, uh, encourage you to bring your own Bible to church. We want you uh, to have a relationship with the Word and and that you're reading from your Bible. So so please bring your Bible so that it's open here too. But but when we talk about these type of, uh, when we're in these types of series, we're all over the Bible. And so we try to make it as convenient as possible for you. But the Bible says this, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Have you ever heard the Latin phrase, imago Dei? Yeah? That this means the image of God. If you're following along your bulletin, this is going to be my first principle for today, is this. Every human life is sacred, that's the word, because we're all image bearers of our Heavenly Father, the creator and the sustainer of life. If someone say life. Every human life is precious to God. Life is to be highly valued, preserved, and protected. We belong to God and we are accountable to him for our own lives and the lives of others. God tells us in Genesis here, listen to this, he says, Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God, God has created, I'm sorry, for in the image of God has God made man. You see, God holds human life in high regard, and he expects us to do the same. It's not a subject to be taken lightly. Because people matter to God, they should, be, they should matter to us. Would you agree? Amen. This commandment is about ending, the ending of life prematurely. And while this commandment seems pretty straightforward, it has broader applications than, more, broader applications than you might think. And then, so if you're following along your bulletin, we'll start with the first one. There are varieties of ways to violate the first commandment. The first one is pretty obvious. Murder, right? So you can write that in your bulletin. The first recorded act of murder is found in Genesis chapter 4. It is the account of Cain killing his brother Abel. Uh, These were sons of Adam and Eve. It's interesting, later on in the same chapter, Lamech, which is one of Cain's descendants, he is marked as a murderer as well. And he goes around bragging that he was a better murderer than Cain. From this moment, murder has been a sad and sinful part of humanity's history. But it was never part of God's design. We see in the pages of scripture and throughout history and even in the news to each and every day that, that murder is a part of our history. But God, again, God is the author of life, not the author of death. 
Proverbs 6 includes a list of seven things that God hates and murders on the top three. Listen to what it says. It says, there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. Interesting that murder is in that top seven list. Uh, Interesting that haughty eyes and lying tongues are in that as well, but that's for another sermon, isn't it? But we are not to murder. We are not to take a life prematurely. And God is saying to our families that it is better off that murder is not part of your family history. Would you agree with that? We, our family has been marked with this. And I'm telling you, it is absolutely devastating when murder is a part of your family history. The second application of this commandment has to do with abortion. And I know that there's not a spot in your bulletin. That is a typo. I'm so sorry. We've been super busy with a new house and the move. And so, but we want to talk about abortion. You can just write that into your bulletin. Listen to these statistics. Approximately 1.4 million have died from firearms in the U.S. in the last 50 years. This number includes all deaths resulting from a firearm, including suicides, homicides, and accidents. Isn't that interesting? But did you know this, that over 600,000 abortions are performed every single year in the United States? 600,000 abortions every year. That is 30 million lives over a 50-year over a period. Now, as Christians, there's no debating this when life begins. We believe that life begins at conception. We are pro-life as Christians. You can't be waffling either way. The Bible affirms this. We read this in Psalm 139. You got that up there? Listen to what David writes. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says, My frame is not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days of all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Did you notice all the personal pronouns in those two verses? David is making it clear that this person, a human being, is being formed in a mother's womb. David indicates that God has planned every single day of your life before you were even born. He knew you before you were born. The point is this, that God would have us know that the object of an abortion is a person in the mother's womb, period. And he says all of the days of their lives have been numbered before they were born. And so if that, because that is true, abortion is the ultimate like short circuiting of God's will for human life, 100%. Now, what is equally as important is this is a church of grace. You've got to understand that. And so if, you've, if you have had an abortion or you have insisted that someone would have an abortion, there is, gr- there is grace and mercy and forgiveness and hope and healing for you through Jesus Christ. Abortion is not the unpardonable sin. Murder is not the unpardonable sin. Jesus died for every last one of your sins. And so there is hope. There is freedom. There is healing from that. And I'm convinced of this. Every aborted child, every Christian who has aborted a child will meet their child in heaven one day. That God is, God has taken them straight to the kingdom of God because he is a graceful and a merciful God. And we will be reunited with our kids. Isn't that good news? 
Amen. The third application of the sixth commandment is this, euthanasia. Oh, man, this is a touchy one, too. Euthanasia is about causing the death of someone because of a deformity, old age, or an incurable disease. Did you know that, um, <clears throat> that, that euthanasia is actually legal in California? It's called the End of Life Act. And you can actually bring a doctor in to help assist to take someone's life today. Many arguments uh, about this, but people determine uh, uh, that they have, have endured too much pain, that there's no hope for a cure, and they're better off dead. Family members have to choose to accommodate the wishes of a loved one because they can't bear uh, their, to see them in any, any pain any longer. This leads to so many questions and legitimate ones. So we get, we can, we're not taking this lightly either. When is it right to end the life in order to end the pain? Why does God allow suffering anyway? Uh, should we be willing to step in and put an end to someone's misery? Is it wrong to intervene and make that choice for ourselves? Some of you have been faced with this overwhelmingly difficult decision uh, when it comes to turning off the machines of life support. Now, I'm not talking about natural death. Uh, this is different. I'm not even talking about artificially uh, uh, preserving life through machines. I mean, that, that is a natural cause. I mean, it might be, might be cut short because maybe an accident or some, something happened to put them on those machines. But listen, God tells us this, that we are to submit to our authorities. And in those decisions, you need to put those questions upon the, uh, the people that, that God has put in authority in our lives, the doctors. The doctors in our life will tell us if there's any chance of what's better. And so we should submit to the doctor's authority. Listen, we were never, never meant to, to, to make these decisions. So God says submit to our authorities. Uh, but we're here we're talking about, about causing the death of someone either because their condition is considered terminal or their existence is considered non-productive or, dare I say, inconvenient. From a biblical standpoint, we have no right to take this person's life. Only God has the right to determine when a person should stop living and God will work through and in through people in authority or it'll just come naturally. The Bible says this, in his, God's hand, is the life of every creature and the breath of all mankind. The prophet Daniel says this, you praise the gods of silver and gold and of bronze and iron, wood and stone, which cannot say, see or hear or understand. But you did not honor the God who holds in his hand your life and all, somebody say all, of your days. You see, that's not a decision that we need to make. And if you've made that decision, you know how haunting that decision is. You know how much that weighs on your soul. Did you make the right decision? Now, if you submitted to the authority of a doctor and he says, you know, you should probably just say your goodbyes. Praise the Lord. But if that was your decision to make, it's not an easy one to make. Because we were never meant to make that decision. Some of us say, well, when it comes to my life, it's my choice. I'll do what I want. We hear that a lot today, especially with the sub when the subject of abortion comes up. 
Uh, especially uh, when the subjects of sexuality or gender comes up as well. It's my life, I could do what I want, but the Bible clearly counters this way of thinking. God's word says this in 1 Corinthians. It says, do, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. We need to be reminded that every life, even the ones that society may perceive as somehow less inadequate, less able, uh, maybe that there's intense dignity here because they are temples of the Holy Spirit, that God resides in them and God sustains their life and God gets to choose when they go. When we presume to decide who lives and who dies, even when it comes to our own lives, we're playing God and we're discounting the life that God has for us. And I know that, that this comes with some seriously um, deep circumstances. I know that there's some, some deep understanding. Um, I've experienced uh, times here with this family. I would just say this, the DeYoung family has modeled this wonderfully. Uh, we, they, they have lost their mom and dad in one year and they sat by their side and just watched God take them home. And listen, you don't want to miss that. Because there was this blessing and this peace that came with both of them. It was unbelievable. It was this unbelievable moment that God actually ushered them into the kingdom where they were blessed and didn't have to make those decisions. God took them home. Don't miss out on a blessing of that moment. The number of our days that we live on earth is ordained by God. The fourth application is suicide. Uh, the rate of suicide has been increasing every single year since 2000. Uh, it, it is, it is uh, unbelievable. The, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention reports that, it, that suicide is the 10th uh, leading cause of death in the United States. Uh, each year, over 44,000 people commit, die by suicide. On average, there are 120 suicides a day, um, and, and I, I would be biblically sound by saying these two things, that suicide is never the right choice, and that suicide is never God's will. Suicide is never God's choice, and it's never God's will. You should never take your own life. There are other options and better solutions to your problems. Suicide is often perceived as an act of selfishness, um, I would correct you in that. I've done a ton of research on this. I've wrote about this. You know that. Um, but suicide is not uh, really about selfishness at all. It's about desperation. That the act of suicide uh, by someone is, 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 de is someone who is desperate to get out of the pain or out of the, 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 what, what they're feeling or what they're thinking. To be relieved of some of that, but you don't have to kill yourself to get relieved of that pain. Your pain is temporary. It's not permanent. Death is permanent. Suicide is permanent. Whenever, whenever anyone acts uh, on the decision to end their own pain or to take their own life, they trigger this onslaught of indescribable pain to the family as well. And this is why the families say that that was a selfish act. It would be better for your family to not have suicide in your history. If I'm speaking to someone right now in this service or watching online who is contemplating suicide, I beg you not to take one more step in that direction. Get the help you need. 
Understand that Jesus is in the business of bringing hope and healing to even everyone, even those who struggle in the depths of this type of despair. If you know someone, get them the help they need. Get to a counselor, get to a pastor, get to a doctor, get to a trusted friend. Get to somebody and tell them exactly how you're feeling. There is somehow some, some stigma around mental illness today. Uh, 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 suicide is not the result of a healthy person making healthy decisions, spiritually, physically, or mentally. It's not. And so we have to remove the stigma around mental illness today uh, so that people will get the help that they need. If, if you had a heart condition, you wouldn't care if I knew about you going to see a doctor and receiving medication for your heart. So when our brain is broke or when we got problems, why do you care that you're going to the doctor getting some help? Get the help you need. There is help for you. Death is not the help you need. Your pain is temporary. Your problems are temporary. And there is absolutely so much help for you today. Listen to what the Bible says about this. He says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many problems, but the Lord delivers them from them all. You matter to God. God, he values you, he cares about you, he loves you with an unconditional love no matter what you've done or what you've experienced. God loves you and has accepted you into his family through Jesus. In fact, Jesus loves you so much that he gave his life for you that, so that you may live in the power of the Holy Spirit. That you may have an eternal life in heaven with him, free of all of this sorrow, all of the pain, all of the brokenness caused by this world. God's, there is just mercy and healing and hope available for you. And you're not alone in your mental illness. You're not alone in your despair. You're not alone in your pain. Never think that you are alone. No matter how bleak it may look, please don't give up and give in to the temptation of taking your own life. Ever. Get the help you need. You guys know I wrote uh, the chapter in detail on, uh, in Thanks for Asking, um, about suicide. And uh, we are, uh, and the reason why I put it in the book is because of our opportunity to get the book into the county jails. Um, I was convicted about the fact that I was talking to the, ch the senior chaplain in LA, uh, in the Men's Central Jail, and he said that there is at any given time 150 to 200 people on suicide watch every single day. That one person attempts suicide every single day. And that one person is successful at suicide every single week. Isn't that tragic? That I, and that's just one institution in LA County. That they're, 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 they're pulling uh, someone's son or daughter dad or mom, aunt and uncle, even grandparents out of there in a body bag because they feel like this is their only answer. And so uh, we're, we're also publishing this in Spanish. There's 60% of the inmates in, in, um, in, in LA County jails are Hispanic and Spanish speaking and we're partnering with our Spanish <clears throat> church plant uh, Iglesia La Esperanza. Uh, they're actually going to be put in the book there as a resource that they can follow up with here and then we're partnering close together in publishing this book to get it into the jails into Spanish and if you'll help us do that we'd love for you to give toward that.
We have no money budgeted for it. We're just asking people to be generous so that we can get this in Spanish. We're in the move. We're, we're publishing this thing in Spanish as we speak. And you can help get more of these books in jail. You can get more of the books in jail. We raised 15,000 last year. We dropped 1,500 books in the jails. Uh, after that fundraiser, we'd love to do even more to give people the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. Amen? <clears throat> the best thing that we can do is, is uh, connect those who are hurting to Christ. Uh, the reason this is vitally important is because no one can identify with suffering more than Jesus. Isaiah described Jesus as a man who was despised and rejected. Jesus' life was full of sorrow and suffering. However, his sorrows and suffering he bore was not his own. They were actually ours. They were mine and your suffering and sorrow. Listen to Isaiah's full description of Jesus here. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and he held him in low esteem. You got that? Is there more to it? There's way more to it. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God and stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that, brings, that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. What a good word from the Lord. That Jesus was pierced and wounded and crushed for us. Because of our sins. He endured all of this suffering so that we can be forgiven. Whatever guilt, shame, sorrow, disappointment, or pain that you carry today, Jesus can forgive, heal, and redeem and restore you today. And it starts the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The Bible says this, all who did receive him, who believe in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. You are not worthless. You are accepted. You are his children. God tells us this. He says, call upon me now in the day of trouble. I will deliver you so that you may glorify me. We have a good, good father who wants everyone to know and to have this new life in Christ. A life which salvation and deliverance leads to a life that will glorify him. It is possible in Christ. You believe that? It's a life that will lead to his glory, to bring glory to him. Wouldn't you want your father to, to be glorified? And you can do that through salvation and through the presence of the Holy Spirit by getting the help that you need, the physical, spiritual, and mental help that you need. The fifth application and the final one of the sixth commandment is this. Hatred of heart. Boy, that's a cool graphic. I like that one. All right. Hatred of heart. In the New Testament, Jesus tells us that every murderous thought begins in our hearts. And listen to what he says in Matthew chapter 5. He says, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. That's kind of harsh. While most of us will never uh, uh, murder someone in the technical sense of the word, you can see how the sixth commandment is violated and broken in a many numbers of ways considering Jesus' words. Have you ever been angry with your brother to the point where you're like, Argh! or your sister? 
Jesus says this is uh, something that, this is the same judgment as murder. In Matthew 15, Jesus tells us that every murderous thought begins in our heart. Listen to what he says. He says, hear and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person. Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes through the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, say heart. That defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, uh, false witness, and slander. You see, we don't need to change our behavior. We just, it's not about just, just not being angry with our brother. Jesus is saying it's, going, it's way deeper than that. The sin that has permeated your heart, you need a new heart. But, but the good news is that Jesus is in the business of, of giving us a new heart. One of my favorite verses in the Old Testament is, is Ezekiel 36, 26. And he says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of flesh and give you a heart of, or I'll remove the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. A heart that beats for God. A heart that longs after the things that Jesus longs after. A heart that understands the sanctity of life. The heart that forgives one another. The heart that t- looks at anger and says, I'm not going to sin in my anger. I'm going to put sin to death and I'm going to love my neighbor, even my enemies. The heart of Jesus. Again, many people don't think themselves as murderers, but Jesus brings more clarity to the commandment when we learn actually, uh, he, he brings more clarity to the commandment which, which actually makes this one the hardest one to keep. Because we're, we're constantly uh, judging people and getting angry at people. And even if we don't kill anyone in our deeds, everyone who exhibits anger with our words and our thoughts is guilty of the sixth commandment. This is why we need a savior. This is why we need salvation. This is why we need a new heart. This is why we need the Holy Spirit. By God's amazing grace, he sends us Jesus. Jesus provides his own life as a ransom for sinners so that you and I can be rescued from our sin, filled with the Holy Spirit, and live as God intended us to be. The Bible says that the, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through whom? Christ Jesus, our Lord. You see, there is hope for all of us. Everyone who places their faith in Jesus will be forgiven and have eternal life because he kept God's sixth commandment for us perfectly. Jesus never had hatred for his brother or sister. He never had anger that welled up in his heart. He never, he never had a murderous thought in his heart. He was constantly, constantly obedient to the sixth commandment. God accepts us on the basis of what Christ has done for us, not what we do. And we, so now we operate in that freedom. The freedom of knowing that we are completely accepted, but forgiven and accepted by God, filled with the Holy Spirit to be more like Jesus. You know, Jesus uh, even offered forgiveness to the people who were guilty of murdering him. One of the seven statements on the cross were this. Forgive them, Father. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. When Peter preached in the first gospel message in Pentecost, he said this. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Isn't that good news? 
that even this death God is redeeming, God, this, this death that, that God is modeling here, that he foreknew, that he planned, that Jesus' death, that he would raise it up and he would conquer death and the grave by raising Jesus from the dead. And this was his plan. And the, our response to this is this. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, the good news that Peter was preaching 2,000 years ago is the same good news that we preach even today. That God has given everyone the opportunity to repent of their sin and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sin that you may also receive the Holy Spirit to live this new life, one that can conquer all of the effects of sin and death, one that will sustain you all the way to the end of your life where he can, can determine the end of your life. Again, this is, uh, if you're new here, you don't even know this Jesus, you want to get to know Jesus even more, we want to invite you, encourage you to be at the 101 class the first Sunday of the month. This talks all about that, and we can get eyeball to eyeball and heartbeat to heartbeat and really talk of what it means to, to who Jesus is and how you can put your faith in him and how you can be part of this family of God. You see, God has given each one of us an incredible gift of life. He cares about you from conception to the grave. You're not here by accident. He has planned you. He has created you. He has a plan for you. He wants you to know him. He wants you to rely on him. He wants you to press into him. He wants you to know that he loves you unconditionally. He wants you to be part of this family. And when you get connected to God, life takes on a whole new meaning and whole new significance. Do you believe that today, church? The sixth commandment has a lot of cool applications, right? Let's live by them. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, God, for the grace that you've given us to be here today. In this room is the presence of life. God, it is even more amazing that there is eternal life attached to every Christian who has confessed their faith in Jesus. And so, Lord, uh, not only is there a, a, just a presence of, of physical living today, there is the presence of eternal life in this place today because of Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you for your life, your death, your resurrection that, that sealed that. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are present here amongst every believer to give us the power to live according to your goodness. We thank you, God. I just pray for eyes to see the world through the lens of sanctity of life. I pray for eyes to see the world as Jesus sees it and people as Jesus sees it. I pray for those who are, are, are hurting and in deep despair that you will give them a spark of hope today that only comes from you, Lord Jesus. God, we thank you for this church. We thank you for all that you're doing. I pray that you will just bless us today as we contemplate the sixth commandment. We ask all this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.